We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cass. Good morning. There are a lot of people challenging Brandon Scott to be mayor of Baltimore. More than a dozen people have filed or declared. Leading up to the primary election on May 14th, I'll be speaking with several of the top candidates. This morning, our guest is former Mayor Sheila Dixon. A Democrat, Dixon served on the city council for a dozen years beginning in 1987. She was elected city council president in 1999, became mayor in 2007 after Martin O'Malley was elected governor and was easily elected that year to her own term as mayor. She resigned as mayor in 2010 after a jury found her guilty in a gift card scandal. Now Dixon serves as marketing director for the Maryland Minority Contractors Association. Welcome back to On the Record, Sheila. Thank you. What is the most important issue in this election for mayor? The most important issue in this election for mayor is about accountability. It's about responsiveness and accountability. You know, we can have a lot of grand ideas And yes, crime definitely has improved and prayerfully will continue to improve. I'm happy and excited about that because we have a state prosecutor and a federal prosecutor who have sent the message to those who want to do criminal acts that they're not going to tolerate it. And we have a mayor that um, has started some initiatives, um, anti-crime initiative, crime, crime prevention initiatives, taking a holistic approach, which is not new. You know, back when we were able to reduce crime um, many years ago, 15 years ago or more, um, if those individuals who came after me would have been consistent with that crime plan, I believe today we wouldn't be talking about that. But we have a big issue with juveniles. But it's about accountability. It's about providing quality service to our citizens in Baltimore. It's about not just reducing violent crime, because that's important, getting guns off our street, but it's also about the quality of life that people live. People are afraid in this city. So despite touting the reduction in crime, people still don't feel safe. And unfortunately, we're losing people to this city daily. And that's going to strain us even more. People don't understand the mathematics behind um, losing someone to another county or to another state, what that does to our economy, what that does to the budget and city government and providing the kind of quality services that we're supposed to provide. Let me pick up on a few of those. Um, crime, as, as you noted, murders in the city are down. Why should voters switch? Le- and you credited the prosecutors, and of course, credit is due. But why switch the top leader when the most watched crime statistic is in a downward swing? Well, you can't focus on just one area. You have to look at every area of crime: carjackings, car thefts, burglaries, juvenile crime. It's out of control in this city. And people don't feel safe in their communities. And so the people stay because of the quality. Most of the murders that happen in this city, with the exception of a domestic violence issue, don't happen to the general population. But what's happening to the general population when you get your car stolen and you can't go to work or your insurance is going to go up or you purchase something from Amazon and it's stolen or you get carjacked and you're at a stoplight? 
You know, those crimes are impacting people daily, and that's not being addressed. You know, we can talk about the violent crime, and yes, it is going down, but there are multiple things that are happening to contribute to that. We still have guns in our streets, you know? Um, So I know that um, as mayor and as a, a manager of Baltimore City government, that I know what it's going to take in order to juggle multiple things at one time and make an impact on people's lives, and they're going to feel it. The city is dirty between the graffiti and the trash, you know? So it's like, where are those basic fundamental services that people pay for? The roads are horrible. We resurface a road, and then we dig it up. Where's the coordination of services? Businesses are frustrated. It takes forever to get a permit. People need to come back to work. You know, so there are multiple things that is more than just, yes, crime is first and foremost. Education, for me, could could be the and catalyst. And I do want to ask you about schools, but, uh, but uh, when you say nothing is being done about crime, you seem to when be— When I'm talking about the quality of life crimes that are impacting us, that happen every day. Yesterday, um, police did a chase— Someone has stolen a car and it might have been connected to a carjacking. I mean, you hear about this every day. And so the efforts of the incumbent mayor for... Um, for the quality of life crimes, yes, we, we want to focus on violent crime. We want to focus on guns. But you got to focus on these other things, too. Because people don't feel safe in their community because of that. In July, a mass shooting at Brooklyn Homes in Baltimore, killed two people, injured more than two dozen. Many of the victims and the perpetrators were teenagers. What would you do to combat gun violence among young people? Well, let's just take a look at that. We haven't even arrested the individuals who shot and killed that young lady whose life ended, who had a dream in going to college with one of my church member's granddaughter. And her other granddaughter, who was shot in the on the hip, in the hip, you know, who had to go now has to be in mental health, you know, and the other young man that was shot, and the loss of that family, you know, we should have been, really been on top of that. And as it relates to juveniles, we got to work closer with the state. We have to look at what's going on in our schools, and look at what's happening in, the, in our families and our neighborhoods. You know, you drive down North Avenue past Hilton Street, coming towards the city. Every day, 8 in the morning, 9 o'clock at night, it's nothing but young people hanging out, not one or two, 15, 20, up and down those businesses. And I drive by and I said, the police have to be seeing what I'm seeing. This morning when I left, I come through Lincoln Park, the police were sitting over at the um, convenience store. My thing is, why, why didn't he just get out the car walk over by the library where people are waiting for the bus, find out how they're doing, walk down the street where those stores are, where those young people are hanging out and say, hey, you know, do you belong in school? What's going on? You know, those are the kind of things that are not happening here in the city that will contribute to helping to make people feel safer. This is On the Record. I'm Sheila Cass speaking with Sheila Dixon. She's running for mayor of Baltimore City. We're talking about some of her priorities if she wins. Early voting for the primary is May 2nd through 9th, leading to the election May 14th. Um, You mentioned people leaving the city. Between 2010 and 2022, the number of people 
in Baltimore City shrank by 8.2% by more than 50,000 people. What would you do to reverse that trend? And during the time that I was mayor of the city and city council president, we were able to sustain people in the city. We, people weren't leaving. People were staying. It wasn't until 2010 and, and beyond. We've got to deal with our schools. We have to make sure our neighborhoods are safe and our communities are safe. And we have to provide quality services, you know, weekly recycling. Those are things that a mayor who's a manager and who's a leader and who's requiring accountability will make sure happens, not make a lot of excuses. You figure out how we need to get this done sooner than later because that's what people are paying these high taxes for. We also, in order to retain people, we have to reduce property tax over a period of time. I know there might be something coming um, in referendum for voters to vote on, but we've got to be able to reduce it over a period of time. But people, we, we pay, we have the highest property taxes in the state. Um, and, and that's the other reason why people are leaving. And then last but not least, when someone has a child and they become of a certain age, if they can't afford private school, then they're looking at what county can provide my child with the best education. And so we've got to get a handle on our schools. And, and I, I have a bunch of things I want to ask you about schools, but let me ask you first, what do you see as the future of the Red Line light rail project? I'm not really sure. It's unclear, but I do know that we have to create a better public transportation system for people to get from point A to point B in a timely manner. We pushed years ago for the red line. Um, I know the cost has tripled. We've got to have a better system of transportation to getting people from point A to point B. You should not have to leave from southwest Baltimore to get over to Bayview in two hours. And so whatever it's going to take I would be an advocate to go after federal resources to support the state so that we can have the type of public transportation system that is in the 21st century that many of us who drive would prefer to, to take the bus right. or light rail if we can connect. But how can we afford that, especially, as you say, city taxes you think are too high? Well, so well, the, the city government other than the circulator, which we currently have, which I created, which is a free transportation system, this is federal resources that we're going to need to make this happen. You think federal resources are being it's, left on the table? I, I think that right now we have to go after the type of federal support needed in order to um, assist in this process. The state um, has a, a deficit, I believe, in Department of Transportation as it relates to the um, gas tax. Um, and so, you know, so the state's going to have some challenges. Yeah. But we, we can't cut services. We need to increase it. And so we've got to figure out where do we um, get the kind of resources needed. You know, what people don't realize is when it comes to infrastructure, when it comes to transportation, those are areas that, in, in particularly in older cities, that we have to rely heavily on our federal government to realize the, the importance of um, supporting um, the cities in, in, in transportation and in infrastructure. Okay, we need to take a, a, a quick break here on the record. We're talking to mayoral candidate and former mayor Sheila Dixon. When we're back, her thoughts about city schools. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. 
Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. I'm talking today with Sheila Dixon, one of more than a dozen people registered to run for mayor in the upcoming primary election on May 14th. Schools. The state is spending $1.1 billion on Baltimore City schools next year, and the blueprint for Maryland's future demands the city spend an extra $79 million for schools. Mayor Scott called that increase, quote, a gut punch. Where do you think the money would come from? Well, if I my memory serves me correctly, this year we had to come up with the $79 million for the schools. And the fact that the mayor did not know the dollar amount just says something about not understanding um, what's going on. We have to be accountable. We This is maintenance of interest um, 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 that we have to provide. So we have to figure out where we're going to get these resources. This blueprint requires us to do this. Now, I know many of the counties probably are challenged in the amount that they have to provide. But in the past, it was a real challenge just based on meeting that maintenance of effort that we had to meet. And so, you know, we've got to figure that out. What are we going to have to do without in order to create, um, without raising taxes, um, the the money so that we can put into our schools to educate our young people. But again, in putting that in the schools, where's the accountability to the school system? We just can't put good money into a bad system. We've got to figure out where the weaknesses are, what we need to do to improve upon our schools, and what we can do, because that's going to be the key. That's Education is the key to get out of poverty. Education is the key to deal with crime. Education is the key to deal with so many of the uh, systemic issues that that impact us um, in the city. Well, let me drill down on that. Last year, you told Fox 45 you thought it was time for a change in leadership of Baltimore City Schools. Dr. Sonia Santelises has been schools commissioner, um, CEO, excuse me, CEO since 2016. The board of school commissioners, not the mayor, has the power to remove or appoint the CEO, but nine out of 12 members of that board are appointed by the by mayor. The mayor. Mm-hmm. What would you do? Um, recently, um, she and I had a conversation. Um, you and she, Dr. Dr. Sandalisa. She shared with me some of the things that the school system is doing to improve our education system. I be- And I said to her at that time, you need to get that message out. Um, the COVID money is coming to an end. Um, you know, how are we going to sustain some of these after-school um, initiatives to help in, to, in educating our young people, providing tutorial programs, you know, athletics, um, in the middle school, bring art and music back into the school. How are we going to sustain that? And what are you going to do? But we also have to look at the board. I don't even know who the board members are, but they're appointed by the mayor. You never hear anything from the board when things happen in the school system or the direction for the schools. And so, you know, I believe that um, coming in, I need to really assess every department that the mayor um, is responsible for, and the school system is a big piece of that. It sounds like you're no longer calling for I'm not, change in what leadership. I, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I would not change leadership. What I'm saying is that um, 
I believe that um, that the board, who is the board of trustees or the board of directors, need to be able to make the right decision based on who's appointing them and what's going on in the schools. A recent presentation by Kerry Wright, interim state superintendent of schools, noted that 54% of Baltimore City students were chronically absent last school year. That, that means they, they missed yes. 10% or exactly more of school days. What would you do to help curb well, I'm doing, uh, we're doing. I'm doing something right now. We I'm working with a group, um, Hands Across Baltimore, and we have a truancy program. We're working currently with a school. Uh, a former police is at, assigned to that school, um, and we're making an impact helping to um, with this particular school by going out, visiting those families. So we have to... Um, the sit the currently the city school system has a contract with a company to deal with truancy. We have to dig deep and roll up our sleeves and get into those homes to figure out what's going on and what we need to do to assist in that process. We have to look at what's needed in that school that's going to help that family, not just the child but the parents, and bring those resources and partners in the school based on the needs of that school, if it's mental health services, if it's programs that's going to assist that parent to realize the importance of that child being there, um, after school initiatives that's going to help tutorial-wise. But we need to look at and, and work with um, our truancy um, organizations, those businesses, and get really deep. I'll give you an example. Um, one of the families, they were living in their car three kids, that's why the kids wasn't going there. They needed somewhere, they needed a roof on their head. We were able to find the resources to help them. There are probably other families in that same situation um, that, that you have to go and do those home visits and figure out what it's going to take. Because if you have 54% of truancy and kids out of school, and then we're putting this type of money into the school, it's, it's not matching up. Something's wrong. That's former mayor and candidate to become mayor again, Sheila Dixon, on the record in WIPR. I'm Sheila Cast. She served as mayor from January 2007 to February 2010. What do you say this time around, your third time running for mayor again since your um, resignation and, and the guilty plea in, in uh, 2010? What do you say to people who think that disqualifies you? What I say to people, that I say it every day, that um, I want people to give me another chance because I know what it takes to run city government, to be effective, and to work moving this city forward for the next generation to come. Secondly, it's about being transparent and honest and being upfront with people. I know that I'm going to gain people's trust back. Um, and, and I'm doing this because I have so many. I wasn't planning on running. I, I love my life. I love what I do. I love my privacy. I had so many people who literally, day after day, week after week, month after month, who stopped me, who emailed me, I might be in my car and they see me, um, who begged me to run again for mayor because they know not only my love for the people of this city, but that I can roll up my sleeves and get things running because stuff is very dysfunctional in city government. And and then you have a mayor's office that's four times the budget that it, it's ever been. 
and a city administrator's office that's top heavy. So here you have all of these people working, but what are they doing? Where's how are we all getting things resolved? How come things are not moving forward? As you have no doubt picked up, many in Baltimore are speculating about why Sinclair Broadcasting CEO David Smith bought the Sun newspapers when he told the staff he didn't read the Sun. Mark Reuter, one of the forces behind the nonprofit news site Baltimore Brew, offered a rationale in a piece headlined, Why by the Sun? One reason is to help Sheila Dixon with the May primary, insiders <laughs> say, close quote. Reuter reported that you agreed to, quote, a checklist of positions to gain his support, close quote, meaning Smith's support, to which you say... You know what? First of all, I didn't read that. Second of all, that is so funny. Somebody's going to buy a $100 million paper, spend $100 million in order to help me to become mayor. That's crazy, number one. I have nothing to do with David Smith and buying the Sun paper or any of that. But you have you have spoken about a close relationship. We don't have a close relationship. No, no, with with Armstrong Williams. We, I don't the, have a close relationship with any of them. I I know them. I've met with them. Like I meet with a whole host of individuals in this city, um, across the board, from um, business people to community people to nonprofits, et cetera. So this is not about David Smith and um, buying a paper to support me. I mean, it's crazy. It's it's about Sheila Dixon and the community people that have reached out to me over and over and over through problems that they have, through um, issues and concerns that they have ranging from A to Z to help them in their problems. And I try to figure out how I can help them. That, that's what it's about. What is your position on the ballot initiative David Smith is supporting to shrink the size of the city council? So um, when I was on the city council, it was 18 of us. And when we lost um, population and doing redistricting um, the second time, ACORN, which was an organization, grassroots organization, came forth and said we need to reduce the city council. The population had reduced course they wanted to do multi-member districts so I've been there where and I always believe that you need to assess um, the structure of city government um, and where the changes that might need to take place it's like the board of estimates you know I, I you know I know we have a mayor still have a strong mayor control city there's some things that have changed over the years but it might be time to reassess um, the number of council people. If you look at Baltimore County, whose population is larger than Baltimore City, they have less council people than we do. And the land mass in Baltimore County is is larger than Baltimore City. And so I think it's something that the council should look at um, potentially reassessing. Do you need 14 members with a population of 560-some thousand people? Or, or what could be done to right-size city government? Term limits were also on the ballot initiative last time around. Was that yeah. a good idea? So I supported the term limits. I, I had suggested that many years ago, but you know, people who are in those positions tend to be selfish and feel that they don't want that. What would Baltimore citizens see different after the first year of another Dixon administration? After the first year of the Dixon administration, they will see um, 
city government back open full time. People will be back to work. We will lead by example. Um, People will be returning calls and following up on emails. We will have department heads um, that will be in place. Right now, we don't have a health department. We have an acting um, director of public works. Um, And it's important to have a good team of people um, in leadership because you need effective people running city government. The mayor can't do it all. And so um, you'll see recycling happening weekly and the city cleaning being cleaned. Um, um, the graffiti that we see all over the middle part of, of Baltimore in this area in particular, you know, we've got a, we've got a lot of work to do. Good luck. Thank you. I'm Th- looking forward to it. Thanks for taking time to talk to us. Thanks for having me. Sheila Dixon is running for the third time to regain her place as head of Baltimore City. The primary election is May 14th. Early voting begins May 2nd. We have a link to voter registration and election information at the On the Record page at wypr.org. I'm Sheila Cass. Glad you're with us on the record. Come back tomorrow. <laughs>